if you're not using the right technique and the right tools, you can introduce more bacteria into this already uh, inflamed um, nodule. And then also you can put a lot of pressure in there, further spilling the contents out of this pore and into the surrounding uh, tissues. And, and that can cause even more of an immune Oh, I gotta go. I've been working, told them please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bruh, just leave me alone. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told them nothing's for free. Told me time is money, dog, I swear I paid on my fees. I was starving for this day, now my fan, they can't eat. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Cup of Nurses podcast with your hosts, Peter and Matt. We are two nurses on a mission to change this world, one conversation at a time. So let's jump right into it. If you find value in this show and want to join us on this mission, please share and review the show. It would mean absolutely everything to us. Cupofnurses.com for all the info, latest updates of what we're up to, and any of our merch releases. For our conscious movement and our lifestyle podcast, you can check out wearefrontlinewarriors.com. In this episode, we would like to introduce you to Laura Coral. Laura Coral is a dermatology physician's assistant working at Curology and breaking off to YouTube and other social media to share her experience as a PA. She encourages future healthcare providers to follow their dreams. We talk about the best skincare routines and how to prevent acne and wrinkles. Hey, Laura, welcome to the show. Can you give us a little background about yourself and how you got to dermatology? Hi, sure. So I'm a physician assistant and I graduated about five years ago. And um, at first I worked in a hospital inpatient gynecology. And um, after that, I you know, went back to what I'd always wanted to do as a provider, which was working either in dermatology or plastic surgery. And um, I was able to start working with Curology, which is a skincare startup uh, that was based in San Diego, and then uh, start working as a dermatology provider for them. What made you pursue the, the PA route? Was there anything like in your childhood or just something in your life that sparked that interest in helping people? Yeah. Um, well, I loved biology, anatomy, and physiology, all of that. And so um, I studied biology. And after my bachelor's, I started working as a research coordinator. And I was doing clinical research. And I really liked working with patients. Um, I liked learning the science. But I wasn't really having any impact hmm. on uh, the patients that I was interviewing, the study participants. I felt like I was kind of like taking on an observer role. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I'd actually wanted to have a bigger impact. So um, at that point, going to PA school just seemed like the most appropriate appropriate route for me because it would require that I go back to school and get my master's degree and then I'd be able to start practicing mm -hmm. um, as opposed to like going the nursing route at that point. Mm -hmm. So that's what I chose to do and it was, it was great. Um, I feel like I have a lot of flexibility as a physician assistant, as do many uh, nurse practitioners. And in every single job that I've had, we work uh, together. So I know that they have the same opportunities as I do, but I just think these two careers are just like phenomenal for like flexibility and being able to like learn and 
work in whatever environment you want. Mm-hmm. And how did you get started with working at uh, Curology? And it's funny because a couple of days ago, I was at my friend's house and I noticed he had the little Curology bottles. And it, be, that's before I knew that we're going to interview somebody from that. So it seems like it's personalized skincare for a lot of different people. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's so funny that your friend uses it. So I'd never heard of it when I was like applying to it. This was a few years ago. Um, But I was very intrigued by the idea of working from home. This was before the pandemic. So working in telemedicine was kind of like this new frontier. Like, how is this going to work? And they're based off San Diego. So it was perfect. That's where I was living at the time. And um, I was lucky enough to like, you know, go in, apply, get an interview. It was amazing. They blew me away. I I was so like excited to be able to work there because they had like a really, I mean, they do still, um, but this was when we were all going into the office. It was like a very uh, dynamic, fun startup environment that I didn't think I could be a part of as a healthcare provider. So I have a lot of skincare questions for you because skin is very interesting. And every time I go down like the moisturizer aisle, there's so much products out there, so much things to choose from, so much ingredients. And a lot of them are labeled like body lotion or facial lotion. Is there a difference between like the skin on your face and the skin on like the rest of your body? Yes. Oh my God. That's such a good question. So first of all, it depends on what type of skin you have. Dry skin. (laughs) So that's good to know. So like you're probably going to want to use a cream Mm -hmm. instead of a lotion. Mm -hmm. Lotions have more alcohol than creams. And so they can be a little bit more drying. They're great for the body because the body, you know, produces like a lot of oil and, you know, you often have sweating, you have clothes on to protect Mm -hmm. it and stuff. That's not always the case for your skin. Your Mm -hmm. skin is oftentimes getting a lot more radiation from the sun. It's exposed to the elements. Um, And then some people just happen to have really sensitive skin Mm -hmm. on their face. So it's good to have like a facial product as Mm -hmm. opposed to like a body product. Also, some body products can contain pore clogging ingredients Mm. um, that are going to affect your face and they're going to be a lot more visible than, you know, on your back or your chest Mm. or something like that. So when it comes to shopping and buying skincare products, what should we be wary of as far as shoppers? I know just as a male, we've done podcast episodes about parabands and how they are endocrine disruptors and they could cause issues we should avoid them. Is there anything else in particular that you found in your experience? I would say for the most part to avoid really irritating topicals uh, because dry and irritated skin is actually more prone to breakouts and it's just going to make your skin angry. Um, So like really, really irritating products like it's okay to use benzoyl peroxide. It's okay to use salicylic acid, all of those like active ingredients that are a little harsh are great, but um, just be smart about how you use them. Don't, you know, throw it on your face twice a day, every day for, you know, a week or something. Um, I would say to avoid those. There 
are uh, ingredients that you can specifically like look up to see that you should avoid if you uh, want to keep your pores clean and you don't you, you happen to be acne prone. Um, there are certain ingredients you can um, avoid like sodium lauryl sulfate um, stuff like that. I mean you don't you don't have to know that right off the bat, but if you have if you happen to be acne prone or something, that might be something that you avoid. Um, and I would say, I would say, try to have a simple skincare routine. And I know it's difficult because you do walk through the aisle and you have like endless amount of products and it's really hard to like pick one. Um, and, and then, you know, you just feel like you have to do like seven layers of skincare on your face to get everything you need. Um, but I would say the, the stand, just the, um, like a basic skincare routine where you cleanse your face, you moisturize it, and uh, you protect it from the sun, you're probably going to be like have great, you have a great, great skincare regimen if you can do those three things, just regular cleaning, moisturizing, and protecting it from the sun. Um, I think, I think if you can like start with th that, that's good. And then if you have specific goals in mind, um, like the reduction of dark spots or acne or something, add a topical for that, but don't overwhelm your skin either. What does a skincare routine look like outside of just applying products? Should you do something in the morning, like drink two cups of water? Should it be, like you mentioned, maybe applying sunscreen? Is it something for the nighttime you should be doing? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I feel like health, that like you know, health radiates in like from in the internal to the external. So I think, yes, anything you can do in general to be healthy, to have a healthy body, like drinking water, exercising often, sleeping well, all of those things. Yes. Like you, I mean, if you want to have a, I don't think that they only would apply to skincare, but just in general for like overall wellness, those are great. Um, if we're talking about like um, specifically skincare, waking up, um, you know, splashing some water on your face, just a light wash of your face is good in case there was any um, like sweating or anything going on at night, um, splashing on some water. If your skin is dry, go ahead and moisturize before you go outside and face the day. Um, if not, then you can jump right into wearing sunscreen. And it's super important to protect your skin from the sun every single day, even if you live in Chicago, especially if you live in San Diego, go um, and even on snowy days because that sun is being reflected back at your skin um, and the sun can cause a lot of damage to the skin unfortunately so uh, that should definitely be in everyone's skincare routine um, and then when you get home at night uh, wash off all the debris from the day and uh it depends on what your skincare goals. If there's something specific you want to treat, this would be a good time to apply your serums, to apply any medications, because you're not going to do anything else to your skin the rest that you're just going to go to sleep. So this is a, a great time to do that. But if not, then just washing your face and moisturizing again if needed is perfect. You mentioned lotions creams and now serums i know you said lotions have more alcohol than creams and now you have now you have serums what are the what are the differences between those kind of uh, those kind of things because 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 my perspective they're all basically the, the same so what's it because 
they're named differently, but to me, they all look the same. So what are the difference between all those kind of products? Okay. So that's, I love that you're asking me this because I just assume that you might like, no, but that's because this is the world I live in. But yes. So serums are more lightweight. They're like those tiny little potions that you see that cost like $300 and they're like, you know, a fluid ounce and, and they have like the little dropper sometimes. And they're like see-through usually they're just what they're just very lightweight concentrated um ingredient of whatever you're using so you can have a vitamin c serum you can have a hyaluronic acid serum it's just very lightweight doesn't have many other ingredients in it it's not going to for example um moisturize your skin or anything like that it's not meant to it's just meant to like uh penetrate into your skin so that it can do what its intended effect is so that's a serum think of like those little dropper precious little bottles that uh just happen to be expensive because they have that concentrated uh ingredient in there then you have a cream and a cream is going to have like a mixture of ingredients that are going and, and there's going to be a lot of them and they all have different capabilities of moisturizing your skin um whether it's like ceramides or, or like emollients or something that that just like draw in the moisture and kind of like coat your skin barrier so that like it's nice and protected tuck it into bed like make it nice and smooth um those are going to be your cream sometimes they have like anti-inflammatory properties too uh, but it's it's usually more of like this rich moisturizing mixture peter we gotta upgrade your wardrobe there with when it comes to all these products man you got only one now we need like three I would tell, um, i'm gonna tell you right now off the bat the best thing you said laura was to keep it simple because right now i have one facial cream one body lotion and a face wash and i'm good to go the, the last the last upkeep the better is for me to actually stick to the upkeep i agree i mean you guys have great skin there is no need you need to like go and you know get all this stuff unless you specifically want to treat something that you know can be delivered by another product but if you don't then yeah the the simpler the skincare routine the better yeah maybe i'll buy a serum next week or something but i'm i'm kind of nervous on how far i should go before i before i start going into makeup you know what i'm saying you know i, I do something <laughs> simple here <laughs> you mentioned a lot in your skincare routine about washing your face so when i wash my face i just splice some water maybe rub my fingers around my face to clean the debris is that enough for my routine as far as just splashing water using my fingers or do you recommend products like a brush or something that's circular to help with getting um getting rid of dead skin and exfoliating or even water temperature too if you could touch on that like warm water or cold water okay um honestly matt like the simpler the better if you're if you're okay with using water using your fingers and you're okay like it's it's all you know it's very subjective as long as your skin is healthy and uh you don't have any concerns then doing what you're doing works um a lot of people love the skincare brushes i used to love the skincare brushes because i felt like it was just really really cleaning but it also they can also be very irritating physical exfoliation especially when done daily is 
like very irritating to the skin. I don't recommend it for everyone. Um, and I would say it also varies on like the, the season, the time of year, uh, because skin can be very susceptible to getting dried out just because of the environment. Never mind if you're actually, you know, scrubbing it with something harsh. So um, if you wanted to step up your skincare routine and say, you know what, I have a lot of, um, you know, black heads or white heads that I'd like to take care of, then you could consider maybe uh, switching your uh, just splashing water um, technique to, okay, I'm going to try like a salicylic acid wash, benzoyl peroxide, something over the counter that could help you. But it's certainly not necessary. Mm. And then the water temperature, is there a benefits using yeah. warm water versus cold water? Uh, warm water can be irritating to the skin. So um, like, like really if, so by warm, I mean like, like hot water, but, but just like gently warm that you can tolerate it easy with your hands mm. um, can be fine. Cold water is great too. Mm. Yeah. Cause I've noticed, cause I take a lot of cold showers. I noticed that my skin doesn't come out as dry as it is after I do a warm shower. And it's like, yeah. and one thing I always struggled with was like dry facial skin. So I used to shower warm water and then apply moisturizer. And I realized that by switching to cold showers, I don't necessarily need that moisturizer or, or as much of it because it's whatever it does, whatever it does to the, the, the structure or the vasculature of the, uh, of the facial skin, it definitely helps me a lot. Yep, totally. And then as far as sunscreen, so I know that skin exposure or sun exposure is healthy for us and we need some. And this is where I sometimes disagree that we need sunscreen all the time. But of course, that's just my opinion. Is there a timeline of how much light we can get from the sun before we should apply sun sunscreen to protect it from breaking down or damage? Um, I would say... I would say if you are going to be exposed to anything like I would just say to wear it every day honestly as a dermatologist I think it's it's just hard to say because you are actually getting more sun radiation than you think. Um, like a lot of people would define, oh, but I'm just outside for like, you know, 10 minutes every day. But while you're driving your car, um, there's still UVA uh, rays that can penetrate. If you're uh, working in front of a window or sitting in front of a window all day, you're still getting that sun radiation. Like I said, if you're walking around in the snow, uh, you might not think that you need some screen, but then it's still like being reflected back at you. So I would say if you're going to be outside for any, you know, for like, if obviously if you're just like running into your car and then you're in a dark room all day, okay, like you don't need sunscreen. But I think if most cases, if you are going to be outdoors, it's just safer to um, protect your skin. Yeah. I understand. The reason why I was asking because we done research or looked at research how oxybenzone and other active ingredients in sunscreens could potentially increase the risk of cancer so that asks that fine question where's the balance being between am i going to get skin cancer from the sun exposure itself or is it the combination of sun exposure now with an active ingredient that's going to induce that more but i think that's something we have to still find out as science gets better and, and getting educated what are some common misconceptions that you see in skincare and the beauty um, side of the world? 
Um, well, actually, like, it's funny because that what you just mentioned um, about the potential dangers of sunscreen, like I have had that come up as a question a lot, like is sunscreen safe to use? And, you know, it sunscreen is some of the ingredients are um, that are in question also by our not ingredients that are commonly used in the US. And I think it's good to like investigate and make sure that the ingredients are working at the capacity that they should be and that they're still safe. But I, you know, it's still, um, it's still being like um, investigated. And we do know that a lot of sun radiation can cause damages to the DNA. And that, like we know for a fact, that can lead to skin cancer. So I do like to tell my patients that, you know, it's certainly still safe to use sunscreen and um, that if they have any questions, they can definitely ask and do their research. But um, I feel like that can become a common misconception that sunscreen is dangerous. Um, also, um, I think a common misconception is that topical medications, you know, medications or, or creams used on the skin are going to be like the one cure for, you know, aging or something like, or, or I think that that's like something as complex as aging is something that is actually going on as we're treating it. So it's not like there, you know, you can have complete reversal of something. And also there's only so much a topical medication can do, especially if you're in like your fifties uh, or something like that. And there's been like years and years of uh, sun damage and aging going on. There's, I mean, topical medications can do wonders, but they're not going to like fix everything and revert everything back to where you'd want it. So I feel like that's also something that uh, I address as far as setting expectations. How much SPF is enough SPF? Because there's like 15, there's like 50 something, there's a bunch of different numbers. What's like an appropriate one? Or should you maybe use different strengths depending on what you're going to be doing? Um, you should, the minimum you should wear is 30 SPF. Um, I, that's, that's, that's a good place to start and then go up from there. And you mentioned skincare and the misconceptions. Talk to me about wrinkles. What can we do to prevent them before they become a problem? Is there products that you recommend? Cause I'm sure Peter and I don't have this issue, but there's probably a ton of listeners that are nurses. Most of our audience is female, so I know they're curious about wrinkles. Oh my God, that's such a good question. You guys, this is like so hard to answer because what causes wrinkles is like um, skin is only like 25% of it. Um, because, you know, when you think about it, you have the skin, you have the fat, subcutaneous fat, you have the muscle and you have the bone. And honestly, all of those cause wrinkles, like with time, you, we know that like, you know, your fat deposits thin out. We know that your muscle atrophies, we know that you start having bone muscle density changes. Um, so as, so there's the, the fortunately that means that there's many ways to treat wrinkles um but if we're talking about just strictly 
uh, topical medications, then starting off with a retinoid, a vitamin A derivative, is a really good place. Uh, retinoids act, retinoids like Retin-A um, and uh, Adapalene, uh, Differin, um, they act on the cells um, and on the dermis itself. And it can actually, not only can it help with acne and texture concerns and all that stuff, but it can help with like fine lines and getting rid of dark spots mm. and preventing those signs of aging. So that's a great place to start. Yeah, here's I'm at ret retinoids, bro. Retinoids for the, for the wrinkles. <laughs> I can touch it. Yes, if there's one product that you want to start after this talk, retinoids is a great place to start. So one product that I have on top of just a moisturizer is a serum by the brand Kiehl's or the K-H-I-E-L. It's like a night cream serum and I'll put it on. It's very oily. So I try okay. to put it on once every couple of days, but I've heard it leaves your skin glowing. And that's something that someone recommended to me and I've always just used it since. Well, you have very nice skin, so I think that's a good product, yeah. And then regarding, regarding acne, uh, what causes acne and what are some things you could do to, to prevent it if you're prone to these blemishes? Yeah, so acne, there's also, same um, as with aging, um, a few things that can cause acne. So at like the very basic, um, you have the pore and the pore um, can get clogged up uh, sometimes by cells that just don't shed the way that they should be. It gets kind of like uh, a little bit clogged in there. And then another factor is increased oil production or just the oil getting stuck in that pore because the cells aren't shedding as they should be. So you kind of get like a plug. That's what you might see when you see like a black head or a white head. It's kind of like a little plug in there. Some, you know, it's not quite a big juicy pimple, but something is, is clogged up in there. Um, but what tends to happen sometimes after that is with that increased oil in there, there's um, bacteria that lives on our skin. Um, and it's ironic because the name of this bacteria is cutie bacterium acnes, but I would argue that most people don't think that they look cute <laughs> with um, acne, but this bacteria loves those pores filled with sebum. Um, it thrives in that environment and it turns that sebum into fatty acids, which are very irritating to the skin as as are as, as is the overpopulation of this bacteria. So at that point, your uh, white blood cells are going to get involved and try to get rid of this invader in your pores and the surrounding structures. And that's what you get when you get a big juicy pimple that's red and irritated and full of gunk. And um, so that is what causes acne. So we have a few mechanisms in there that can help um, try Another uh, benefit of tretinoin is it normalizes the skin cycle, the skin cell cycle so that it, they can be shed more efficiently. So that helps with the clogging of the pore in the first place. Um, but there are other ways, like you can increase sebum production uh, with the use of birth control pills or with other hormonal options like spironolactone. Um, you can also, uh, 
help out with the inflammation and the bacteria by using antibiotics and other antimicrobial agents like benzoyl peroxide or a zinc soap. And then um, ultimately you can have drugs that kind of target everything. And that would be something like Accutane. And what about the difference between the acne that you're able to pop and the acne that you kind of tried to pop with your fingers and it just doesn't pop? Is there a difference in bacteria or what's the breakdown there? Or should you even be popping in the first place? Because that's like a 50 50. Some people tell me you should pop them, some people say you shouldn't. What's the rationale? Yeah, you should not be popping your pimples. Well, it looks so bad. I just want to. <laughs> yeah. It's very tempting. It, it's very tempting. But, you know, um, if you're not using the right technique and the right tools, you can introduce more bacteria into this already uh, inflamed um, nodule. And then also you can put a lot of pressure in there, further spilling the contents out of this pore and into the surrounding uh, tissues. And, and that can cause even more of an immune reaction. So. I wouldn't suggest popping them. There are some extractions that can be done when um, it's not inflamed, but you know, it, it's. Uh, I would suggest if you're really interested in that to go to your dermatologist, see if they would do it, <laughs> or to go to a professional, um, just so that you don't cause more, more damage um, to the skin. Especially those people that have been doing it for a long time and have those issues, they develop scars, which are lifelong from right. essentially bad technique, as you mentioned, right? Right, right, exactly. I would say if you do have a lot of those issues where, you know, you see that clogged pore, it's, it's not at that stage where um, you can see like a clear head and, and the contents are about to come out and you still see it there, you can start using, you can use something like salicylic acid and that's an exfoliant that helps to dissolve uh, the dead cells sitting on the surface of the skin. So you can have somewhat of a similar effect it just open that up but without using like physical force and causing damage do you professionally pop people's pimples i don't no. okay yeah, i was curious because it, it looks uh, really fun because <laughs> and, uh, and my other thing was like are you, are you like do you have an obsession about like watching videos about pimples being popped and things being attracted extracted because i feel like a lot of females have an obsession with like popping pimples and like doing those kind of things <laughs> um yeah it's very satisfying very very like tangible results you know so i it, it's it's oddly satisfying i can't say that i'm like a fanatic and i'm addicted to doing it or watching it but it is it is nice when i get the opportunity and i can you talk a little bit about accutane because i was on accutane as a kid growing up uh just because i had cystic acne that just didn't want to go away and i know a lot of people do have acne and they and they get prescribed like different antibiotics that, that don't really work. They don't really know, know what to do. And Accutane, you know, it worked for me very well, but there's a lot of uh, potential side effects that you get from Accutane. So do you actively prescribe Accutane to your patients? I don't prescribe mm -hmm. Accutane to my patients because they need to be monitored by blood mm -hmm. tests while they're doing it, as you know. Um, and so we, we, are set up in telemedicine. We're not really set up for that uh, type of monitoring. So I don't, but I refer my patients to other providers that can uh, prescribe it for them. 
And I think it's great. I think it works really great. I think that there are instances where you have this cystic, uh, these cystic lesions and the Accutane is perfect for them because it, it mm. works on all those levels that I talked about. It is, you know, it also causes the skin shedding. It actually decreases oil production. Uh, from, so it's going to help with that, thus decreasing the overpopulation of the bacteria, and it also uh, like decreases inflammation. So it, it kind of works um, on all those mechanisms, and it it is like the most um, effective method of treating acne. Mm. If you need to go there, yeah. yeah. So this is more of a question for the listeners out there that are females. I don't need to know this answer, but just for them out there, I got you guys or got you ladies. When it comes to makeup and skincare, what are things you should be looking out for? What are some tips tips you can give for women that are wearing makeup and how to avoid your skin from, I don't know what would happen, age quicker? Or do you develop maybe um, damage from makeup? I think makeup is so fun. <laughs> so I definitely, like, there's no need why you would need to stop wearing makeup if, like, if you have acne or anything like that. Um, you do, however, have to look into what products you're using and if they contain pore clogging ingredients, because sometimes makeup can contain pore clogging ingredients and mm. it's going to sit on our face all day. Um, and then there we go with that mechanism of action again. So, um, so I, it is important to know that what you're using on your skin isn't clogging your pores. Um, I would say that's probably the biggest one um, because it's Sometimes it's like this endless cycle where you're breaking out to so use makeup to cover it up and then you get even more breakouts and then, and then it's, it's just uh, a big loop. So I would say if you notice your pores are getting uh, clogged, you just want to like be aware of what you're putting on your skin. Uh, look at the ingredients in your makeup. And I know that it's a lot, but you can actually go on a few websites online and uh, just look up your product and make sure that it's not pore clogging. You can also buy products that say non-comedogenic, which means uh, not pore clogging or not acne causing. Um, and you can also, uh, you know, if, if you do happen to wear makeup, um, a few times a week, um, you can also incorporate just uh, like an exfoliant, uh, chemical exfoliant, like a salicylic acid um, into your routine, just to make sure that you are uh, helping your skin to uh, shed the dead cells um, and prevent clogging, of course. And Laura, what does your skincare routine look like? My skincare routine, um, so in the morning, I wash my face and I moisturize um, and I let that sink in for a little bit. Um, and then I put on sunscreen first thing in the morning because I walk my dog. Um, so I don't leave the house without it. Um, I like to wait a little bit because sometimes putting one product on top of another can cause like pilling of the product and um, I just don't like the texture of it. So I really let the moisturizer like sink into my skin for about 10 minutes first. Um, and that's usually all I do throughout the day. Um, if I am going to wear makeup, then I would put it on after the sunscreen. Mm -hmm. And um, or a good 
thing to do would be uh, to use like a tinted sunscreen, which does contain a little bit of pigment. And then that way you can skip foundation. Mm. If, um, if you're, you know, you have a busy morning or something like that, but you're still getting your sunscreen in. And then uh, at night I wash my face um, and then I use a vitamin C serum. And um, I like to use that right after I wash my face so that there's nothing else sitting on it and it like really fully penetrates. I let that sink in for about 10 to 15 minutes. And then I moisturize my face. Um, and then at that point, I use a my Curology medication, uh, which contains uh, tretinoin, uh, and that addresses acne and anti-aging concerns, as well as other ingredients that also address uh, dark spots, um, inflammation, texture, stuff like that. I'm, I'm sure there is a ton of questions that somebody that's listening wants to know about that routine. I just don't have the scope of knowledge to to assess. But one thing that did um, stand out for me are the dark spots. So like, what are they and how can we prevent them? Yeah, so um, dark spots are uh, sun-induced pigmentation um, that, you know, usually tends to get worse as we age. So they are considered like a sign of aging um, and, or they can occur from previous trauma to the skin, like previous acne lesions. Uh, they can leave behind dark spots as well. Uh, and uh, these can also be exacerbated by sun exposure. So if you have a lot of dark spots that you want to uh, get rid of, wearing sunscreen is also good. Um, but yeah, so these these are in response to that inflammation, and it's okay to have dark spots after your skin has had a breakout because you know it's called post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation or post-inflammatory erythema. It's natural. There's a lot of there might be some burst uh, damaged capillaries in there that spilled their contents, and you know they're going to take some time to heal up and for that skin to shed. And, um, and so it's okay to have dark spots. They'll go away uh, with time uh, if they're due to acne. So that's um, a question I get a lot. Like, how can I get rid of my dark spots? They're not fading. Are they scars? And they're not scarring, but they'll take months to go away, you know, and there are things that you can do like wearing sunscreen or using other topicals that specifically target dark spots. Um, later um, in life, and then especially uh, for some women, um, you can get more of a uniform um, symmetrical pattern of hyperpigmentation called melasma. And those are kind of like speckled uh, dark spots uh, that can be anywhere on your face. I usually see them like on the uh, upper cheeks and around the nose, um, on the forehead area too. And that's very difficult to treat. So, um, you know, but, but there are topical drugs that can help uh, as well as laser treatments. What about scarring? Is there any way to relieve scarring or maybe change up pigment so it doesn't look as, I don't want to, I guess, as, as bad? Because I have some scarring on my temples from old acne. And then, then I can imagine if women that have C-sections, they get scarring, scarring as well. So is there anything that can help with, with either one of those scars, maybe post-acne scarring or like surgical scarring? 
Yeah, so like right after you have a procedure that, you know, has some type of uh, skin damage, um, like an incision or something, you want to keep that environment wet um, because that's what's going to be most conducive for the skin to heal. Um, But when it comes to acne scars specifically, if they are deep scars, you know, like with the skin indentations, those are pretty difficult to treat. Um, There's unlike you're unlikely to have an effect with a topical medication, but there can be certain procedures that can help with that type of scarring. And that that might be a little bit more invasive because what's going on there is the skin is actually being pulled down um, by certain fibrous uh, structures. And so those kind of need to be broken up sometimes. Sometimes you would inject filler in there in its place to give that skin back that uh, structure. So it's, those can be a little bit more difficult. However, tretinoin can help somewhat with texture. Um, not saying like big, deep scars, but it can help mm. with texture uh, with prolonged uh, use because uh, tretinoin does have an effect on uh, the collagenous structures of the skin as well. Mm-hmm. What about the microneedling mm. going with the roller? Yeah, microneedling, um, it's, I don't do it. I don't know if we have enough data to like say that it it works all the time, every time, but I have seen studies with really good results when it's used with something else. Um, and usually you would need a lot of microneedling appointments uh, for it to work. So microneedling, what it is, is you're uh, rolling around tiny little uh, needles on the skin that are causing like micro trauma. And the hope is that the skin will heal itself and it will will heal whatever damage was already done there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be um, it can be effective for certain people. Um, I don't know if it, it, you do need a lot of treatments and um, I don't know if there are more studies that need to be done, but I've, I've heard great things and I think it can work along with other treatments. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's a, a junction to whatever treatment is recommended. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And I think with that's, that's the thing with like, um, skincare, especially when it comes to anti-aging, um, you can use there, there's just an infinite amount of, uh, techniques and products you can use. Like for example, some people will combat their, um, wrinkles with Botox, but it doesn't mean that they also wouldn't benefit from using tretinoin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, eventually they'll, they'll do Botox and tretinoin, and then they might go to fillers and, you know, even surgery or or laser treatments. And some people get all of these treatments and they look great. So there's just like a lot of different things you can do. Mm -hmm. Just to turn this conversation into a different direction, you're you're particularly interested in, in psychosomatic manifestations and psychosomatic disorders. We had a one of our friends, she's a um, psychologist, and we talked to her about uh, this disorder. Well, basically, it's the thoughts in your head are causing some kind of an, some kind of an issue that then shows itself in in. Uh, in like the, the physical aspects of your life. So you could say you're super stressed out and you get IBS. So what interests you in with these manifestations and how did you get interested in with them? 
I think they're really interesting Mm. um, because it goes to show like how powerful our minds are. And I feel like this is not something that is common knowledge. Like I feel like we tend to attribute physical manifestations to uh, specific diseases Mm. um, that are diagnosed and then therefore we get a medication to treat that. But I think that there are so many things that could be due to unresolved issues that we carry uh, or stress, chronic stress. And so I feel like I, you know, working, I I used to work uh, with diabetes patients um, and I felt like there was like such a big component of that was also, um, should have also been addressed through um, mental health solutions. Um, And then I, I, even now, like, in dermatology, I, uh, I see it a lot with stress. Um, I see a lot of my patients have like a sudden flare, like their skin was great three weeks ago and all of a sudden they're having uh, a severe flare. And, you know, I, I, I ask all the questions to make sure that none of their products are clogging their pores, that, you know, that they're, they're using their medication. Is this the right strength? Should we increase it? All of that. But something that I always like to ask is like, what is going on in your life? What other triggers are uh, happening that could be causing the sudden flare? And then oftentimes I get this patient who went, you know, was breaking out a lot. We were trying a lot of different things and having some uh, difficulty finding out what was right for her. And then she'll go on vacation or something, and then she'll come back. And she's like, oh my God, like my skin looks great. I, I don't, I'm, I don't want it to go back. Like I, I had the best time on vacation and it just goes to show like how much of an effect stress and the, the, um, the cascade that it releases on your body, like how that can affect everything. So I think that's really interesting. I think it's a lot more common than we think, or, or, or I think a lot of people um, just uh, attribute a lot of diseases to um, more recognized like uh, diseases that affect the body and maybe not enough to mental health. I would also be interested to know if there are specific maybe thoughts or energy patterns that the person is experiencing that leads them to develop acne on the face. Like, let's just say anxiety is usually linked to the bowel, right? That's where we have the IBS, Crohn's, we have the tingling and the butterflies. I wonder if there's any specific manifestations. I don't know, anger, let's just say, maybe jealousy, some kind of negative vibrational uh, emotions that would be causing changes on an energetic level to the uh, to the face but that's just a deep thought maybe in the future we'll develop some instruments to diagnose that and create those links I love that and I that is why I'm interested in that I think the same I think that um there is I think that that's very plausible that um you you have these untreated conditions or or that there is some type of association between the bowel and you know what's going on there and and the energies and everything I can't say that I know enough about it I feel like this the somebody who has deep knowledge of like chakras and like energies and stuff like that would would 
really be able to uh, help us out. But I feel like there's something there. I just don't know what. And that's why I'm interested in it. I would love to learn more and be able to not only provide, um, you know, education and prescriptions that can help out with these physical uh, solutions, but also something more that can help out with like the root cause. In your field, do you see a lot of maybe like body dysmorphia issues? And it's more dermatology, right? But do you feel that people are coming in with issues with maybe body self-image and other things where they're seeking treatment physically for that, but it's more of like a psychological spin to it? Totally. Um, I do feel like that happens. Um, I think that it's difficult to deal with acne, first of all, like having breakouts um, and not really being able to control them is really really uncomfortable and I think it can lead to like a lot of insecurities about the skin but I and and therefore I sometimes see um just like general anxiety over skin changes um and skin changes are are very normal they're a part of life and so um I do see almost like sometimes this uh uh, oversensitivity over, over just like, you know, the, the tiniest pimple or something like that. I also think that in this world of filters and, um, just like being on social media all the time, um, I think that there's more pressure to have that perfect skin and, uh, you know, you're seeing it everywhere on TV and on your phone and, and stuff. So you not having perfect skin is actually, um, makes you feel like you're standing out. Like you're, you know, it's you, you, there's something wrong with you when actually having, you know, what you might refer to as imperfect skin is the norm. We're all unique. We all um, are active, breathing human beings that are going through life changes and life phases. And sometimes you're going to have breakouts and sometimes you might have a dark spot from it and you're going to age and develop fine lines. And, you know, you're going to have um, changes happening to your body as they're happening to your, or in your face as they're happening to your body. So I think it's sometimes I like have to remind my patients that it's, uh, it's, it's going to be okay. And like, you know, I'm here to address their problems, but their skin is still beautiful. Even if it has a, million breakouts because it's your skin you know and so at the end of the day it's a part of you yeah and you mentioned Mm -hmm. stress a handful of times do you have like a stress management technique that that you use or how do you manage your stress do you yoga meditation anything like that yeah i meditate um every day and that's been like really really good um i also brush my dog (laughs) and that really like helps me um 
to just like, it's like therapy. He's a husky, so there's a lot to brush. So it's a good practice for us both. Um, going out in nature as much as I can. I live in the city, but like just going out for a walk in the park or something. Um, I'm lucky that my dog like makes me do that every day, but it really does have such a good psychological effect. Um, and just like, you know, practicing self-care, being really conscious of uh, when it's time to go to bed, when, um, when I'm doing too much, when it's time to rest. Uh, that's kind of how I do my best to manage stress. Uh, another question regarding bags under the eyes. Is there any way to prevent them or, or minimize them? Is there a special maybe lotion or moisturizer or serum that you can use that helps? Unfortunately, these are also one of those things that are really tough because they're actually, if you're thinking of like bags under the eye, it's more of a volume issue. And those are difficult to fix with a topical medication. You know, you kind of, it's, it's the way that that little fat pad is distributed um, at the moment. So there are certain things you can do um, like just, getting rest, um, getting, getting rest, um, just to like make that area, uh, seemed less puffy. You know, when we all get really great night of rest, our skin is radiant and, and our, our, um, skin is less puffy. So that's, that's a good one. Also, um, you can put like a cold spoon on your eyes. Um, you can like put it in the fridge and then just like put it on top of your eyes uh, for 10 minutes. That helps to like decrease any type of puffiness or inflammation that you might have, redness, stuff like that. But um, as far as like definitely getting rid of bags under the eyes, um, you might need to see an in-person dermatologist and talk about possibly fillers or a more uh, intense uh, medical procedure. Yeah, because usually I get really bad bags after night shifts. When I do like three in a row, then I usually stay up the whole day. So maybe okay. I'll try that spoon technique before I try the fillers. <laughs> there you go. Get some sleep, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, one last question that we like to ask all of our guests. So if you had the opportunity to have a cup of coffee or tea with anybody one last time, who would it be and why? Um, okay, so I am, so I'm Colombian, and I feel like I never got a really great sense for what my ancestors' lives were like, um, because I think um, you know, there, there's just, I didn't really go into the history of Colombia, like in school or anything like that, but I just came back from Colombia. I was, um, there for a few weeks and I would love, I can't give you a specific name, but I would love to like sit down with like an indigenous elder, um, a woman specifically, and just like talk to her about all their customs and traditions and what they like, what life looked like back in the day before Colombia was colonized um, and, and indigenous people lived in these lands. I would, mm -hmm. I'd love that. So you love to merge yourself in the Colum the old ancestral Colombian culture and to understand yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. 
And Laura, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you for any other information? So um, they can reach out to me on Instagram at The Coral Brief. Um, and then I also have a YouTube channel. Um, if you look up Laura Corral, C-O-R-A-L-P-A slash C, um, uh, you can look at videos on being a PA and what that experience has been like. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much, Laura, for your time and all your wealth of knowledge in the skincare realm and being a PA. Thank you for what you do. And I hope uh, patients are, you know, grateful for who they have as a PA. Oh, thank you so much. It was so fun to talk to you guys today. Thank you for having me. Thank, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you.